this week's episode of Mum Talk Series 4, Episode 2, and I am joined by a guest this week. So on the podcast this week, we have Jen from Etta Loves, the founder of her beautiful company that makes sensory muslins with real science behind it. She'll continue to tell us all about that as we go through the podcast. But before we get there, I wanted to catch up with you guys and check in and see how you're all doing and answer a couple of questions that you have popped through to me on my DMs. And also tell you about what I want to chat about next week by great request and see if you have any questions for that. We will actually be away next week, so I'll be coming to you live from, well not live, but you know what I mean, from abroad. Um, So I'll be able to fill you in on what it's like to travel with Amandine when she is nine months. Oh my gosh, she's nine months today. She's nine months today. It's literally just dawned on me, of course, 4th of June, nine months in, nine months out. Oh my goodness. How is it the nine months when you're pregnant go really, really slow? And now she's been out nine months. They've just possibly been the fastest nine months of my entire life. Yeah, geez. I've got to start looking at nine to 12 months clothes right now. (laughs) She has literally no clothes. I have been the stingiest of stingies. Um, stingy mums and she's still squeezing into some of her three to six month jumpers because they were like jumper dresses and now they're kind of just jumpers. Um, My maternity allowance has finished because I'm self-employed and yeah it's only maternity allowance that has now finished so I'm definitely having to tighten my wallet Uh, and it seems we just can't get our food bills down so um, I'm literally really really trying very hard to get the food bills down if anyone has any tips on how to do that greatly received I've read tons of blogs on how to get your food bills down but it doesn't seem to be working for me anyway I'm still trying with that but yeah feeling the tightening of the wallet so some things have had to go um on the back burner but I (laughs) I'm also really trying to utilize Amandine's clothes to the max so some things that I've bought recently uh she's been in nine to twelve months for quite a bit of time because I thought I want to get max wear out of this stuff but now it's becoming really quite warm there's a lot of things that she just can't wear because it is too hot that with leggings I bought her some leggings um, and they're really really thick ones so I actually was in town yesterday and I picked up a couple of kind of they're like um what are they like really thin, lovely, almost like harem pants, um, just really baggy trousers. Hendrix probably going to absolutely hate me when I put her in them, but they are really cool and cute. And where we're going, we're actually um, popping to France to see Hendrix's parents. And um, I, there's normally quite a lot of mozzies at this time of year where we are. So I thought they'd be perfect. They'll keep her cool. They'll keep the sun off and also the mosquitoes off where he surfs. He surfs in a place where you have to go down this I don't know stretch to the beach and it's just full of mosquitoes um yeah anyway I get bitten but I don't want Amandine to get bitten anyway back on track so this week Amandine went swimming again she went swimming yesterday she hasn't been swimming for ages we had to cancel two of her swim sessions because she was sick and we were away for one of them because I was in the Alps and then we had half term and they don't run on half term so She hasn't been swimming in forever, but they teach in swimming. We do turtle tots in Exeter, and they teach in swimming to sit on the side of the pool. And you sit them on there, and then you say, ready, steady, go. And they kind of are meant to fling themselves into the water when they're ready. Anyway, Amandine has been totally distracted and not at all been interested in doing any of that. So Hendrik's been practicing off the edge of the bed with her, which is good in a sense but also I don't want her to get used to doing it if Hendrik isn't there um but now she did it so yesterday in swimming I sat her on the side of the pool and said ready steady go and she just looked at me and launched herself forward and it was very very cute because it was the first time she's ever done that before she had a couple of underwater swims as well and I was a little bit worried that she may have forgotten all about how to do it but she was great no fuss um and she seemed to really like it she got very tired very quickly And then we were meant to go to the dentist, but I think it was all a little bit too much. So I went by myself, Hendrik brought her home and uh, put her to bed and I um, went to the dentist. Fun times, but my teeth are great. Yay! Isn't it such a good feeling when when you go to the dentist and you're lying in the dentist chair and he says, everything looks great. 
I'm thinking, yay, but I did ask him, which I wanted to share with you, there are some really great Instagram accounts actually about um, dentistry and babies and toothbrushing and all that kind of stuff that I've been looking at, I keep meaning to share all of the ones that I find and I will do that as as um, when I can, um, but he said that he probably would want to see her um, in six months and they normally just have like a bit of a check around and to brush twice a day getting into that routine and it really is almost more about creating a routine right now he did suggest putting a little bit of fluoride toothpaste on the toothbrush with Amandine now but I actually have to make made the decision not to do that so we are just brushing her teeth with her toothbrush at least once a day I very rarely remember to do it in the morning actually but she does love a good chew on her toothbrush and the dentist said that was um, one of the best things is just to get them used to chewing on their toothbrush and having that spiky toothbrush in their mouth. So great, 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 great. I'm doing the right thing. Um, we also looked at using some non-fluoride toothpaste, which I think is probably the way that we will go for now. Um, there's some great stuff with um, organic babies from green people and then also, is it Jack and Jill? I think I got my toothbrush from Jack and Jill. They also do a no fluoride toothpaste. So really worth looking into no fluoride toothpaste if you don't want to go down the fluoride route whilst they're so young. So on to weaning because you guys have had a lot of questions. I'm sharing a lot more about our weaning journey now on my Instagram. So if you don't already follow, make sure you go and follow Mum Talk Podcast if you're interested in weaning. So I'm just sharing our journey because I spent a lot of time stressing about weaning and starting the process and I read loads of information and actually, to be honest, the information that I had from friends and a little bit of research, like reading the NHS guidelines, that kind of stuff, um, and looking at some really great Instagram accounts on how to serve up your food to baby, that really, really helped me, but it was more than anything just starting and just relaxing about it. I would get specific food in for her, which I've really stopped doing now, and I'm now starting to just give Amandine a little bit of what Hendrik and I have, remembering not to add in any salt. That is where I always go wrong, because Hendrik likes his food quite salty, and I add in a f not loads of salt, but a, a bit of salt, and then I think, oh great, now I can't give that to Amandine. So that was a bit frustrating at the start, but I think I've now got into a bit of a routine. So a couple of nights ago, she had some, uh, she had mushroom chili, which we make all the time, which is just blitz mushrooms, kidney beans, um, tomatoes. I put peas in it as well, mainly for Amandine actually. Uh, she loves, loves, loves peas. And sometimes I'll put carrots in and then I just make sure everything's a bit mushy, a bit more mushy when I give it to her. And I gave that to her with rice and a bit of grated cheddar on top for the first time the other night. She liked it. She wasn't loving it, but it's the first time I gave her rice. So I think it was quite an interesting texture for her to handle. This morning I tried to give her a bigger bowl of porridge, which you would have seen if you follow my Instagram. Um... But actually, I missed my moment. I find in the mornings my moment is key. We get up, but I have to leave enough time between her milk feed and giving her breakfast. Otherwise, she'll just turn down her breakfast. She's not interested. But also have to get it within the window before she gets too tired and she wants her nap. Because our mornings right now, at the moment, I'm leaving her awake in her cot for a fair bit of time in the morning because I'm trying to lengthen the time that she wakes up. So at the beginning of the week, last week, she was waking up at 4.45, which I'm sure you'll all agree with me is just way too early. So she's now waking up at 5.50, so we've managed to gain a bit of an hour, an hour which is fine. I'm happy with 6 o'clock. I can do 6 o'clock. That's doable. Um, but because she's awake for so long, if I don't put her down until 8.30, that's quite a chunk of time in the morning for her to be awake. Um, so I have been feeding her, and then getting her up out of bed, we go downstairs, she plays with her toys for a little bit, I make her porridge, and then we eat porridge. Yesterday worked perfectly, she finished the whole bowl. This morning I gave her two teaspoons, and she looked at me, rubbed her eyes, and was like, I am way too tired to be eating my porridge this morning, and then she lost her shizzle. So I tried to distract her, and then play with her toys a little bit more, and then popped her back in the high chair, even sat her on my knee, tried to feed her, and she just wasn't having any of it. So. It's currently sitting in the saucepan. <laughs> I'm going to reheat it and give it to her um, when she wakes up from her nap. 
I am also doing something I have done for the first time since I actually have had Amandine. Actually, for a really, it's been over a year. I'm getting my hair cut today. Woohoo! My mum was meant to be coming up and looking after Amandine whilst I got my hair cut, but actually, Hendrik um, isn't at work today, so Hendrik is going to look after her. I'm going to try and persuade them to come with me, and they can just have a chill and a browse and a look at the llamas and stuff. It's it's actually a, a salon which is at our local um, like farmer's marketplace so that should be really fun for them if we can make that work um, but yeah I'm going to get my hair cut very excited about this it's just a trim nothing major I have learned from getting my hair cut when I was pregnant over a year ago now and I decided to go from really long to a bob which I'd had before but the hairdresser was new and she actually chopped me in a really short bob bob rather than normally I have it slightly shorter at the back and then it comes down longer at the front and oh my gosh I was devastated I hated it I hated it hated it and with my growing facial features from <laughs> uh, pregnancy and weight gain I just literally felt like a boy and felt like I was yeah just rounder in the face than I normally would be and I have quite a round face anyway so I am just going to get a trim today because I'm really happy with my hair right now. But it just, after all of the postpartum hair loss, I just need a bit of a, a refresh, I think. And it's very, very dry and brittle. And Amandine can literally just grab it and it'll snap off. So I'm very looking forward to that today. What other questions did you have? Um, sleep questions, I think I've answered that. And weaning question, uh, what else can I say about weaning? So we also do uh, some, we do baby lead and we do purees. Amandine loves the sweet potato puree. If uh, Again, this is on my Instagram, but I literally just boil up a load of sweet potatoes, put them in the Maggi mix, blitz them up with a bit of water, and then I freeze them in ice cube trays, put them in the freezer, and then just pop one or two out. It's now I'm going to give her two today, actually, because yesterday she finished one ice cube of sweet potato in literally about a minute. So I'm going to give her two today and see how that goes down. And then I'll also give her, like, maybe some peas or some beans or, as in, like, green beans or broccoli. Um, so some finger food as well for her to pick up and play with or some carrot sticks that have been steamed and are nice and soft. In the morning, it's spoon-fed. So you'll you'll know that when I was speaking to you last week, spoon wasn't going down so well. So it just shows how quickly things can change. And I think it changes with their tastes a lot as well. One day she'll really love raspberries. The next day she'll literally just look at them and then shove them off her table. And yes, we have got to the point where she's shoving things off her table. You'll put something on and she'll scoot her arm around to the right. She'll know exactly what she's doing. And she'll just scoot it straight off. Hendrik gave her her spoon yesterday and she literally just picked it off daddy and then just chucked it on the floor and looked at the spoon waiting for him to pick it up. It was very funny. Anyway, I am going to move on to the podcast now because I am rattling on. We'll have a catch up next week. So pop me any questions that you have on breastfeeding next week. So next week I am going to talk about breastfeeding and pumping. Um, I have been requested to do this quite a few times, but I actually did have a pregnant mama asking me to do it fairly soon because she would like to breastfeed and also pump. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about that next week, amongst other things, obviously. So if you have any questions, pop them to me, DM me at mumtalk, in, mumtalk podcast Instagram account. That's the easiest way. Or you can always email me um, at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com. I will always come back to your emails. So, this week's podcast. This week's podcast with Jen from Etta Loves. We bought a couple of sensory muslins recommended by my friend Millie to actually cover our sleepy head. I didn't want to buy another cover for the sleepy head and mine's white and I was very nervous about getting it filthy because I'm hoping it'll do, you know, a good couple of children. And... I put these over them and they are just brilliant. They caught Amandine's attention from day one and actually Jen mentioned something uh, when I was chatting with her on Instagram about popping them in the car. So if they're having a particular fussy car journey, just hang the muslin 
over the window and then shut the window. So it kind of blows a little bit in the wind. You have, sorry, have your window open, shut the window next to them with it in, wedged in, and then it'll just flutter a little in the wind. And they're black and white, and then some of their, I think, six month plus ones have a little bit of color in. And she's just started doing, which I saw on her Instagram a couple of days ago, she's just started doing beautiful um, sensory prints to be hung up in your nursery or something like that. So go and check them out. They are gorgeous and they're huge. I'm not sure if they come in different sizes, but the ones we had are ginormous and they cover the sleepy head. If you go back way into series one, I think I mentioned them on the podcast way back then, before I even knew Jen. But she is a mum of two herself, Etta and Uma, and she has built her own business from the ground up. There's true science behind it. It's beautiful. It's such a naturally... Um, built business from other mums as well that she met whilst um, she after she'd just given birth to her first I think and we talk about we talk lots about mum guilt we talk about juggling family home business life and a full-time job we talk about the sense of building your village which is so important but we get to that in the podcast she had an elective c-section so we do talk about that and we talk about pregnancy insomnia and anxiety and oh so much more in natural mum talk style I literally just dive straight in and pressed record on the Skype button so I'm gonna dive you straight into our conversation because I know you enjoy it like that if you have any questions pop them through to me obviously about the podcast and I will get them sent through to Jen otherwise I'll check in with you at the end but enjoy To give you a little heads up, Jen and I are talking about sleep, because of course all sleep-deprived mums start all conversations with sleep. She was so consistent. She was never one of these dreams. I've not I don't seem to make babies that just like to sleep all night. However, she was always quite from about a year, she was fairly consistent and was really chilled out. And you'd literally shut the door, turn the light off, pitch black, and she'd just fall asleep. She was brilliant. And then something happened, and I don't know what happened. And even now, every other night we'll hear her like scream, and then all these footprints that she'll kind of come into us and be like, I'm scared. And now I think she knows that being scared means she's okay to come and see us. So she says it, and when you're like, What are you scared of? She's like, Nothing. <laughs> Little monkey, go back to bed. They're so cheeky. So they know how to play us. They do. But yeah, so if, and the, the rare nights that Uma sleeps through, Etta wakes up. It is sod's law, honestly. It's so exhausting. Well, but. you look amazing. You look glowy. I put, put some makeup on. I'm sat in a window. Next, also next to a very hot radiator. So I'm probably genuinely like sweating. It's probably that kind of glowing. But, uh. How's Uma feeling? She seems okay, thank you. Yeah, the rash is gone. It's just now like the sort of the bumps. And she seems fine. She seems fairly happy. So, yeah, she's laughing and smiling and hopefully going to sleep in a minute. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, I think it was just, she had a temperature over the weekend. So, I think it was like the viral rash that often comes out. It's coming in the house. Um, Often comes out at the end of something like that. So, but yeah, the nursery, unsurprisingly, were a little bit alarmed and she was head to toe, including her face. Oh no. Literally dropped her off 45 minutes earlier and then they just went, um, she's got a rash. I went, oh yeah, no, I think it's a beard rash from like her dad, like like raspberries. And they went, not on her forehead. And I went, yeah, that that wasn't there a minute ago. So, but all okay. So I think hopefully, I just want a few weeks when no one's ill. That's all I want. It feels relentless this year, really relentless. So, um, Let's see. Yeah, yeah, we're just getting over. Aldine had her first cold, and I think we've been go- we've been doing pretty good to get to eight months. Lucky, yes, cold. eight months. Yeah. Um, but we all got it. Hendrik got it. I got it. Hendrik had to take like a whole week off work, and it was she was fine. She got over oh, it in like gosh. two days. But Hendrik really? and I were really struggling to get rid of it. Yeah. Oh, don't. He's where's he flown to last night? Where did he go? Somewhere really long haul. Where did he go? No, he didn't go somewhere really. He didn't do a really long flight but he didn't leave here until six o'clock so uh, it was, um, okay. he flies we live in Exeter but he flies out of Bristol uh, okay so he had to drive all the way up there and then yeah he was back at 4am I think oh, just takes lots of time doesn't it it does doesn't it yeah amazing career though my gosh yes he does love it he does love it but 
it's not tricky. It is tricky with Geraldine yeah. and sleep. And I'm waking up in the morning, feeding her breakfast, and I'm like, shh, yeah, don't wake daddy. Yeah, that's the thing. Cause it, and I bet his pattern changes. It's not like yeah. sort of hospital work where you'll do, you're on nights for a week and then days. It's probably just whatever that schedule tells him. Exactly. So sometimes it's super early morning flights, sometimes super yeah. late. So it's all over the place. We have converted half of our garage into a really beautiful ensuite room. Does uh-huh. he use it? <laughs> gosh that's not you need to use it then I know I was like if you're not gonna have it I'm gonna turn it into a playroom because I need to be able to let Amandine shout somewhere <laughs> exactly you need like yeah absolutely that yeah what a waste otherwise <laughs> so how old is Uma now so she's 10 months last she was 10 months last week oh wow yes I know I can't believe I'm planning her first birthday it feels uh literally like well it doesn't feel like yesterday because you know how it is it, yeah. it on the one hand time moves so slowly yeah. but then on the other you blink and, and they're one and then they're walking and then they're then they're at his age like like a right madam <laughs> she's gonna be like as a teenager so it's it, yeah it's really flown by but she's a really she's very relaxed she has no interest in crawling no interest in standing She's really? fine. She's very fine with it. She's just like, yeah, bring me the bring. It's like she can reach. She has an incredible span, hand span, but just doesn't really want to get up. I, <laughs> the first one, I think I would have been like, go on, go on, darling, do it, because yeah. all your friends are doing it. This one, I'm like, stay still. This yeah. is really good. Don't stop moving, because that's when like just life changes. So. That is so funny that you say that because I was yeah. just chatting with my friends and all of our well. There, um, I used to teach prenatal yoga, and uh-huh. it just so happened we were all within a couple of days of each other giving birth. Really? And, um, wow. So, about three of my friends' babies are all crawling, and there I am trying to teach Amandine how to crawl. And my friends are like, Don't do it, don't do it, let exactly. her sit, let her be still. Exactly, honestly, keep her still. Yeah, because at one point I was like, Etta, show, show Uma how to crawl. Let was crawling around. I'm like, Actually, no, just keep getting Uma everything you think she needs. <laughs> Firstly, just hand her her water. That's fine. Keep her toys in reach. So yeah, so it was a bit of a you know, I'm not I'm not going to worry at all. Actually, I think first time out I might have done, but then she's yeah. only ten months. Yeah, you know, she's fine. She can sort of shuffle a bit, but, oh. but yeah, I think that's going to be a game changer. So she started but, nursery. Started nursery last week. Did two days last week, and then did one day this week. Obviously, and yesterday was a write off. So, uh, oh. but it's it's incredible because it's actually the first time I've ever had a day on the business. Like a wow. day that's not a weekend where I've gone, Chris, please take the children. I've got to get some stuff. And even then, that's sort of snatched hours, isn't it, when it's a weekend? It was really crazy last Tuesday going, wow, I've got maybe six hours to actually do stuff that I've been putting off because it's not been urgent, but it's been important. Yeah. So I feel like this is a this is a new era, maybe. This is kind of, this is the time for it to sink or swim, perhaps. Yay. So Oh, of course it'll swim. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I hope so. Yeah, fingers crossed. I just, I just need to... Yeah, keep up the momentum, not make any silly silly mistakes. No, so. you won't. They're, they're beautiful, and it's such a great idea. And actually, I, we have two of your gorgeous products. They're recommended to us by one of our friends, and she was like, you've got to get them. It was actually to cover. I originally got them because they're so lovely and big and to cover our sleepy head. Yes. Um, and it worked perfectly for that. And yes. then when I put on the podcast that I was going to be talking to you, I had a lot of people say, we bought them when you mentioned about them on your podcast. We bought some. They're brilliant. We love them. So it's so good. Oh, thank you. That's that, it's The biggest thing for me is recommendation. It really yeah. is. Because that's the bit that makes people see them not as just a muslin. Because obviously they are. They do everything you need a muslin to do but and all the other products as well. But it's just that extra bit. Yeah. And that's and that's the challenge, really, is to be able to say, so if I can't be there to talk to every single mum in the UK, I want other mums to be telling other mums and saying, these are really clever yeah. and they're different and they'll, they'll get you a cup of tea. It's not lukewarm. I um, I wore one as a beach sarong the other day. I was at my mum's house and my mum and sister were sunbathing and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to put a bikini on for the first time since childhood. Oh, I think I want to cover it. up. And I was like, I don't have anything to cover up. And I thought, wait a minute. I have a giant muslin. <laughs> so I put it on. And, and I bet you going... look super stylish. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. Very stylish. Very, very, very multifunctional. So they yes. are. They are. Very okay. Lovely. So tell us a little bit about how you came to develop Etta Loves. And obviously your firstborn is called Etta, which is gorgeous. 
Yes, thank you. So I wasn't looking for an idea. I was sat in that kind of newborn um, days um, in in the, the bleakest midwinter, um, feeding Etta on my sofa. And I was wearing just a, a jumper I hadn't really thought of, thrown a jumper on, sat feeding her. And this jumper happened to have quite similar to a zebra print, actually, a black and white pattern on it. And for the first time that I can recall, I noticed her lock eyes on it. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what are you doing? She went back to feeding. Then she locked eyes on this jumper again. And the wonder in her eyes, as her eyes, I could see them. She was going cross-eyed. She was then coming back straight again. She really was finding this pattern interesting. And I kind of glanced over it. I had a muslin on my shoulder, which was, you know, one of the three pack of plain from somewhere, literally doing the function of mopping up whatever was to come back out of her mouth. And she wasn't looking at it. And I thought, hang on a second. Is there not an opportunity? Because I'm not quite sure what's going on with this jumper, but I'm sure I can find out. Why don't we try and make all these things that should be in her eye line and she's seeing and every mum and every dad is going to have in their changing bag do something and create some magic on the little one's face. So it was very fortunate that I was just about to head out to a baby sensory class, one of those slightly daft ones where she was far too small so she just slept through them for 10 weeks. But however, it was with all my NCT friends and we were living in Walthamstow at the time and they were a really creative bunch. There were people who worked in the textile industries, people who were designers. Oh, brilliant. People, uh, playwrights they were an incredible bunch of women um and I just said to them guys I've had an idea do you think you could turn at this point I was just thinking muslins could you turn muslins into you know kind of workouts for their eyes because she really likes this jumper and in their sort of <laughs> newborn haze state as well they said yeah absolutely let's let's look into it so one of them actually is still to this day the designer on the business amazing She's since moved home to Australia which is slightly upsetting um but it means that even if I'm up in the night sort of feeding Uma, we can have chats about the business because it kind of works. So, um, that's, yeah, so that's how it came about. And it, it kind of snowballed. I can't tell you what happened between the point of having that idea and the point of having a sample in my hands because it was just all within the blur of navigating the first four or five months of being a new mum. So, oh yeah. And then it had, I had it and I, was, I planned on going back to work and I did go back to work. Um, I, I really wasn't looking for an idea. I love my career. Um, and it's only now I literally in the last month have decided not to return back to that career um, because the business is now at a size where I feel like it needs my commitment. Um, but it just it, it started and then it just had to fit in the gaps. But um, yeah, that, that, that was kind of it. It was a very, very strange beginnings. Well done you. Did you um, work in textiles before? Did you have any background oh, there? Or Gosh, no, absolutely nothing apart from wearing clothes. That's the only thing <laughs> I knew about textiles. Um, so, no, I've worked in advertising for sort of the best part of 20 years, but but not the useful bit. Some people go, oh, that must be really handy. Yeah. Yes, it is if I had £20 million and I wanted a TV campaign, but yeah. I, you know, not, not really there. So I think how it helped me was... You know, I've worked my whole career with brands and seen and been able to identify what good ideas are and and really understand how to work out who your target audience is and how to connect to customers or consumers. So that bit was helpful. The marketing part was helpful. The rest of it, the finding factories, the the design process was just a minefield. I wouldn't even know where to start. I didn't either. (laughs) God, Google. Google. Mr. Google, who is not always our friend when you're no. something quite technical. He lies, Mr. Google. So, uh, yes, there have been some slip-ups along the way, but we, I, f- I finally feel like I understand the process and, and what I need to get out of that manufacturing as well now. Well, it's a beautiful product, so if listeners, you haven't checked it out yet, go and check out your website. Do you want to give your website so people, if they're on their phones right now? Oh, it's just etaloves.com. Brilliant. Nice and simple. Simple, yeah. simple. <laughs> So there is an actual science behind um, baby seeing black and white and being able to uh, in the first few months, right? Yes. Well, it's more about them being able to see high contrast. And obviously the heights of contrast is black and white. Um, And there's been a lot of research done around what babies can actually see. Um, And obviously it's quite hard to test that. Um, But certainly they respond most to black and white to very sort of certain widths of patterns and sizes. So obviously something that's too tiny will just be a big grey blur. Um, But effectively what happens is their eyes fully develop in the womb in terms of anatomically. So they come out as fully formed eyes, but actually they need to learn particularly the connections between their eyes and their brain to start to see the world like we see it. Mm. And actually a fascinating fact I only really found out recently was a a child's vision is not considered fully complete until around the age of seven. 
one. Isn't that incredible? Because I assume, for example, my Etta, who's now three, has, you know, 20-20 vision. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, it's not far off, but it's, you know, medically, it's not finished until around the age of seven, which yeah. I thought was, was incredible. But as we all probably know or can imagine, the, the biggest chunk of that visual development is in that first year mm. and very much those first few months you know, they are trying to work, make their eyes work as a pair, <laughs> trying to make sense of things. They're trying to learn to focus, um, trying to work out what these blurry outlines are. And then their colour detecting cells start to take shape. And actually, that's when the world bursts into bright, bold colours, followed by pastels quite as they near sort of about a year. Okay. So it's a hugely vast area, which is absolutely fascinating. And one I hadn't really delved into until I had to, to make yeah. to make the idea work and to put the science within it. Amazing. So you have different uh, muslins for different ages. You've just bought out a new range, right? Of Is it five months plus? So the five plus months, yeah, we launched that after the 0 to 4. So we tend to split 0 to 4 months because that's when really that high contrast black and white is really, really valuable. And then at five months, you can bring in bold colours. So we, we decided to split the range like that. You could go even you know, tighter and do 0 to 3, 3 to 6, etc. But you know, I, I wouldn't expect. And again, this is where I guess my background helped me realise that people aren't going to buy in and keep returning to buy every three months. Yeah. So we've simplified it like that. So you have bold black and white, bigger patterns, and then far more intricate five plus with the colour. So, so yes, we've just bought out a couple of new five plus month colourways. Um, I have three ranges at the moment um, in terms of muslin collections. And what I'm now starting to do is diversify those patterns because obviously the patterns are where the magic are. It's what we put them on is, is what makes the difference. Um, trying to move away, not move away from muslins, but add to the collection. So we're launching lots of new things in the next two months. Exciting. So, yes, and I'm really excited because I think, I think the aim for me now, having you know established a certain amount, what we're all about and why we're different, is to become more of a lifestyle brand. Because actually, it's really easy to be stuck thinking that we're a muslin brand. And yes, muslins are our key product because you can imagine when you start a business, you need something that's fairly low cost to make. I didn't know if anyone was going to buy this thing. Um, and also they are. I still believe they're the ultimate sort of portable sensory experience. Everyone has one in their change bag. So why not make it one that actually can calm your baby, can give Absolutely. you a car ride, plus doing all of those things that a muslin needs to do. So yes. So lots of expansion, patterns and products. I loved your idea that you shared on my Instagram yesterday or the Mum Talk podcast Instagram yesterday about putting the muslin, winding up the window with it, yes. stuck in it. Such a good idea. Why didn't I think of that? And then open the window in front of it. Yes. And it moves. I know. Uma is captivated when I put the uh, the seagulls up and then open the window. So they're fly it's like they're flying and she just stares for hours. Whenever <laughs> she goes indoors, I'm like, get the muslin. Oh, yes. But that, we have... Sorry. No go, on. no, go on. We have the little bird one and we also have the um, starfish. One. Oh, that's a very popular one. Yeah. Love that's that one. Particularly clever, the starfish. I mean, they're all, they're all clever, obviously. But the starfish particularly because what they'll see initially when they're tiny in the first sort of month or two is just the outline and the, the inside will actually be quite solid to them. Right. And what a lot of parents say is that come about two months, they see a real renewed interest in that starfish pattern because all of the little dots the circles that make up the starfish kind of come come to life for them as well. Yes. So yeah. that's a, a real favourite of mine and a lot of people I know, actually. So, Oh, well, well done. It's a brilliant product. Okay, so on to other things aside from uh -huh. that. <laughs> you are a mum of two, so yes, super mum. I, I personally feel all mums are super mums. As we say, we have to be, don't we all? <laughs> we really do. <laughs> and there are a few topics that um, you actually mentioned to me that you were an expert in <laughs> oh did I say that I don't think I'm an expert <laughs> um so I'd really like to talk about some of those because they are um continual topics that come up you know a lot of the time with new mums um, yeah. and I most certainly experience a lot of them the first yeah. one being mum guilt it is huge I had no idea how much guilt I would feel and yes. even just a couple of days ago, my friend sent me a picture of um, her doing like a bit of painting play with her son. And I was thinking, I haven't done anything like that. I haven't interacted with my daughter like that. Am I meant to be doing that? Oh, my God. And all of this guilt started to come over me thinking, I'm not doing enough stuff. I'm not being creative enough with her. I'm not showing her enough attention. Ridiculous, obviously, of course. But why? <laughs> why do we feel like this? <laughs> I think, I think, well, I think a lot 
a lot of it is obviously we ha- we're in control and in, in charge of this little person's growth and development yeah. and, and keeping them alive. So instantly you've got this huge responsibility on you just to do all of those things, feed them, keep them clean, make sure they sleep, etc. And entertaining them and, and trying to help their development as much as we can obviously sits within that mix. And I think we are such a society to compare with others. And this is, I think, a huge downfall. You know, even with Etta, I can't look back and go, I have more guilt with Uma because obviously as a second child um, with a slightly more hectic life going on around her as well, she certainly has not necessarily less of my time, perhaps less of my attention at the moment that I'm with her. And I'm incredibly aware of that. But even with Etta, I remember going out with all the NCT mums. And like I said, they were a very creative bunch. Um, but they also seemed far more organised than I was. So we'd go to, to do, I don't know, go to a cafe and meet and they'd all sort of get out little pat lunches. And I'd be like, oh, gosh, I have. <laughs> I've just got a pouch, you know, which I'm, I'm a big fan of pouches. I yeah. think, you know, they're absolute lifesavers, but they'd all have made salmon and homemade this, that and the other while we were all weaning. And I just felt so guilty that I wasn't bothering, as I saw it, to make my daughter all this wonderful, you know, spelt flour, this, that organic, whatever <laughs> stuff, which she probably would have thrown on the floor anyway. And there was plenty to go around. <laughs> so I think a lot of it's that. I mean, with Uma... I do feel I feel really guilty. I do feel guilty, and I, I I don't know why. I think we have to take it. We have to take that off our shoulders. I I talked to my husband. I said, "Do you feel guilty about any choices you make that might impact the children?" He said, "No, not really." <laughs> I feel like we need to be a bit. We need to be a bit more like that. And I've got quite a few friends. We've recently moved areas. We've moved out of London into um, one of the home counties, and I've made friends with lots of people who are first time mums again. And again, I see on their pictures they send me their little ones, they're dying spaghetti, they're doing messy play with color, you know, like food colouring yogurts and all this wonderful things. And I just think, oh, my poor child. And I, there is that pang of guilt. Yeah. But like, you have to look down at them and go, they're smiling, they're yeah. happy, they want cuddles. And the whole world around them is really stimulating. Yeah. They just they learn from just being in any environment, really. So I think we just have to try and be really kind to ourselves. They love us. They love us, you know, unconditionally, whether we're dying spaghetti or not. (laughs) Well, that's what I keep telling myself. I'm like, you know what? We went on a really beautiful walk in the countryside today. There must have been so much stimulation there for her. I mean, this morning we went to visit a mattress mattress factory. (laughs) That was where my meeting was. And it is podcast related somehow. But um, yeah, and... There was so much going on. She, and no wonder that's why she's gone straight down for her nap. She's probably exhausted from seeing all of that. Exactly that. And that's why things like sort of front, putting a baby when, they, when they're old enough in a front plate facing sling. Yeah. They love that. And even much as I really didn't want to turn Uma around in her pram to face the other way, because I really just wanted to sort of engage with her and see her little face. She loves going forward. Yes. And it's a sad moment, I think, for a mother to go, oh, but by then I'll just sort of peek through the hood. But she's just looking at dogs and people and cars and trees. Yes. And, you know, the world is fascinating for them. So I think we all just have to be a little bit kinder to ourselves and give ourselves a break. We had a funny experience with the facing out pram, actually. We were in France and I was like, no, Hendrik, I don't want to do that. I want I want to see her face as she starts to explore the world. And he was like, no, she wants to be facing out. There's so much more to see. Obviously, <laughs> now he, she's facing out. She doesn't want to face me anymore. <laughs> Uh, I know they see our face a lot but yeah it's it's one of those moments isn't it it really is it really is so with you obviously having two kids husband your own business family life how on earth do you juggle all of that I mean I am barely juggling one child the podcast and my husband (laughs) (laughs) oh my husband is not on the list I have to say he's he's there in body and mind but yes no he's (laughs) He's my lowest priority, the poor thing. <laughs> I, I, I kind of think you, I think when, you, when you're passionate about something, so for me it's the business, I, I don't mind working however late I need to into the evening to do it because I'm quite good at being able to sort of compartmentalise what really needs to be done and I'm quite good at doing things quite efficiently mm. because I don't want to be sat around till two in the morning when someone's clearly going to wake me up at three and then at six again if I can do that thing a lot more quickly or if I don't need to do that thing. So I've learned I've learned sort of some techniques to, to just streamline what I need to do. I've also learned to outsource things. So obviously the first year and a half of the business, all the stock was in our spare room. I was, you know, getting a little ping on my phone saying there's an order and it might be two in the morning. 
and I'd jump out of bed and I'd go and wrap it because I'd then go into work the next day, like as in my paid for employment. Yeah. I'd take the parcel, then in my lunch break, I'd go to the post office and then I'd come back. So everything was kind of switched on and clicking, going, I've got to make this fit. I learned quite quickly to let go of the things that I didn't need my stamp on. So I don't, it doesn't make a difference to the customer if I've personally packed that thing and post it at the post office. As long as there is a mark and a thank you card, as long as it's beautifully packaged, as long as it's a great quality product, and as long as they get an email from me saying thank you afterwards, yeah. most people are more than happy with that. Yeah. So I sort of got rid of that fulfillment, which instantly sort of frees up not only your physical space, but also I think some mental space as well. So there's things like that. So I'm now slowly starting to get people to sort of help me get Pinterest on track, for example. That's my live project. And someone's rebuilding the website. So these are things that, yes, you know what, I could probably teach myself to do them. But my time is really valuable because, mm. I, like you said, as we all are, we've all got things and people in our lives that we want to we want to prioritise. So it's a lot about juggling. It's a lot about just, you know, you fill up all the space you have available with things, don't you? So there are things falling by the wayside, left, right and centre, but they're just not as important. Yeah. So that's kind of how I do it. And I'm sure if I sat and wrote a, an entire life to-do list, it would be mortifying. However... <laughs> everyone's healthy happy you know we don't live in absolute squalor and the business is ticking along so you just find a way to prioritize really absolutely priority is key 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 so you mentioned also about building your village can you elaborate on that for me oh well I think, like, like I've, I've already mentioned, my NCT group in Walthamstow were lifesavers. I, I know I was fortunate, and I, I, I hear from lots of people who don't haven't had that experience, either with NCT or through a local network. But just, I think it's so important to have people that aren't necessarily family, although family nearby is, you know, can be the best thing ever, just have people there who are going through a similar situation or at least can empathise with that situation for you to talk. So I think one of the most important things we need to do as mums, as women, as, as humans, is just talk a little bit more about how we're feeling, what we're going through, being able to share that load and able to help find solutions through whatever it is we're, we're being um, dealt with at that time. So that's why I think for me it's really important. And I threw myself into, when we moved, finding a new village. And it was slightly petrifying because we moved when I was seven and a half months pregnant. Oh, my um, mum and dad were 30 miles away, so slightly closer, but they still weren't down the road. I knew a few people through friends, but I hadn't met them face to face. So it was quite a daunting move. But I've been, as you can probably tell, I'm more than happy to just chat away to anyone I meet, <laughs> particularly if they have a child or, you know, they've got a lovely coat and I want to say, oh, you look wonderful, whatever it is, to start those conversations. Yeah. And I threw myself wholeheartedly into that um, to create kind of a new village. And I think as long as these things are reciprocated, so I think you need to find people who there's a mutual trust obviously mutual alike for them so only this week I had a photo shoot with a good friend of mine has now become the, the new photographer for the business we had seven babies came to my house that day but I also had a stack of things I needed to send off for various charity raffles influencers I just had things I, I, I post myself yeah I knew I couldn't get there so I phoned up or messaged a friend and said could you do me the biggest of favors could you come and take this to the post office and she, of course she did. She she was absolutely happy to because she knows, if I haven't already, that there'll be something else that can be reciprocated. So it's those sorts of connections that I just think are lifesavers. Mm. And I mean, less so now with Uma, but certainly for Etta when she was my first, we had a we had a nocturnal mum's WhatsApp group. And the amount yeah. of time that someone, you know, you mute the notifications, but if you're up, it's just so nice. You can see who was online. You could say, my God, you know, hell, we've run out of formula. Who's... <laughs> Has anyone got me? And you'd be running around at three in the morning swapping nappies or or just saying, you know, this so-and-so won't sleep or is this fever too high? And that just meant you felt like you were in it together. Yes. Even when it felt you could have felt very isolated and alone at three in the morning, you just didn't. Yes. So that's kind of, I guess, what I mean by village. And I think it can be virtual or, or real. I think you just have to feel like there's someone to talk to outside of your immediate family. Absolutely. So did you find um, groups to go to or did you, how, how did you start off by making those friends and meeting people? Because I think that's the hardest step, isn't it? To, when you move to a new place, yeah. especially. Oh, it really is. So, so actually it would have been harder had it been my first baby. Although with that said, I probably would have gone to more groups. I didn't really go to groups. We went to baby sensory because I, I kind of felt like I should with my business as well. Because um, obviously I thoroughly <laughs> believe in it. <laughs> sensory stimulation but again I went when Uma was six weeks far too young for you know all of that sort of jazz hands that they do 
and I did meet a couple of nice girls, but we've kind of lost lost contact since because that was, you know, you're at the very beginning of that journey. I was fortunate because Etta's nursery is very sociable and I kept bumping into mums there. So we sort of quite quickly said, why don't we go for a drink or let's have a coffee, particularly those that also had a second child that, and they were on maternity leave. So lots of just a bit of luck in this in this instance and also quite uniquely I had mums going oh I, you know, I follow you I'm seeing you moving to the area I live here 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 Lovely. maybe you can meet or can I pick up my order and connections have come about that way so it's been a bit of a combination you know friends of friends you know because I think when you move somewhere most people will go oh my friend so-and-so's you know ex-girlfriend lives there <laughs> so it really has been a bit of a a bit of a hodgepodge and not and everyone isn't necessarily all I haven't joined them all together if you see what I mean I seem to have lots of different connections to people but yeah I feel incredibly fortunate in in just a year to feel like there's people out there that I can I can rely on and vice versa so yes but group I mean groups are a fabulous way to do it that's how I certainly did it in Walthamstow yeah um, but, but they can be scary and daunting yes um yes. and people do I think sometimes put up on a bit of a front because yes. you're sort of trying to present yourself in a certain way so you know you've got to try and keep keep persevering if you do need to find friends I'd say certainly keep persevering try different groups yeah. different types you know whether it's you know buggy fits or different types of people that might you might connect to yeah so. I was lucky enough that I taught one of those groups with the yoga so then I got you know six seven friends that we've all stayed in touch and now our babies are friends and you know it's really nice and we've moved not uh we moved to Exeter about two years ago I didn't know anybody because you know unless you're pregnant or you know have kids it's quite it's really hard to meet people that are out of your workplace and I'm self-employed so it was Mm -hmm. really difficult um but it is so important isn't it to have that external support that is. is, you know, aside from family and definitely aside from your partner or your husband, you know. Yeah. It really, really is important. I can't stress it enough. Okay, on to, let's follow on from that with pregnancy insomnia. Oh. <laughs> Talk oh, to me about Lord. that. I didn't experience it. So tell me, tell me. Well, you're very lucky. I I wasn't expecting it. I've always been an, a fairly okay sleeper. I, I suffered from anxiety when I was a bit younger but again nothing that sort of really changed how I had to live my life I was just very aware that certain situations would make me feel quite anxious and and then sort of pregnancy hit and I was obviously over the over the moon and it was exactly what I wanted to have happened but all of a sudden around 20 weeks pregnant with Etta I just felt this overwhelming kind of feeling that I couldn't breathe and that I, I certainly couldn't lie down and it literally came on like just as just all of a sudden, almost overnight. And it started with a bit of a cold. So I was naturally feeling a bit snuffly. And then I started sort of almost hyperventilating about it. And from there, it spiraled into this this basically 20 weeks of me waking for 90 minutes, sleeping for 90 minutes at a time. So one sleep cycle and then waking in an absolute panic and then pacing the house until I was so exhausted. I'd maybe another 90 minutes and maybe one more 90 minutes and then go to work in the morning. Oh so goodness. I was... I felt like I was losing the plot. Um, and funnily enough, I, I, I sought help from my GP because I was I just didn't know what to do. And it was quite debilitating by this point. I was trying to function in a fairly high powered job whilst grow a child, whilst, you know, all the other things that life throws at you. Um, and I couldn't work it out because rationally, these anxieties that were causing me to not sleep, they didn't make any sense. You know, I could rationalise well, you should, of course you should be asleep. Why are you worrying about this? This is dark. But as soon as it started to get dark, all of this panic would sit really heavily on me. So the GP sort of sort of said, oh, do you want depression medication? And I sort of said, no, that doesn't that doesn't sit right with me. I don't feel like that's going to be the answer, but, you know, I'll bank that as a thought. And they referred me for cognitive behavioural therapy because at this point they, they kept seeing me but quite distraught, you know, really distraught, going almost like, just help me, please help me. I can't seem to fix myself here. Um, and obviously a lot of it was triggered by the hormones and they can really affect you in different ways during pregnancy. Um, and like I said, with a slight history of that anxiety, mm. it just triggered. Um, thankfully, my work were incredibly supportive um, and <laughs> they had not quite a, a work, but they had a related um, like a hypnotherapist. They often would send people to for various challenges in life or, or work kind of coaching issues. This guy was incredible, and I'm quite a big believer in hypnotherapy, actually. I've had it a couple of times in the past. So I went along seeing him because I really was at my wit's end. And he totally hit the nail on the head, and he said, I think this is coming down to control. 
he's like, you have controlled your career, your life, you're quite a controlled person. And all of a sudden, your body's in control, your mind doesn't feel like it's in control. And whatever's going to come out of you in the next four or five months, is going to throw your life into kind of a form of chaos. And I think that's what's triggering it. And it made so much sense to me that that lack of control had sort of switched a little trigger in my brain and just I, I wasn't really keeping it together. So thankfully, through a combination of hypnotherapy and lots of meditation, Headspace app, the Calm app, all those sorts of things, writing lots of lists and talking to people about it and realising the amount of mums, the amount of not mums, the amount of just people that experience everyday anxiety and what those coping techniques might be, it slowly dissipated. Yeah. But then, <laughs> I can't make this up, I got pregnant with Uma and I thought, well, no, I, I fixed that. I know, I know, I know what's coming. I, I know I can cope with pregnancy. I know I can cope with birth, you know, hopefully. And I can cope with a, with a child. And I've done this before. This time around, I'll be fine. So I hadn't really given it a second thought. And I went in to see uh, my CEO at the, the company I was working for. And she sort of said to me, and how are you feeling? Is there any sign of the anxiety coming back? And she planted that seed unwittingly. Oh, no. And the very next week, it came back. <gasps> Just as strongly. I was even more annoyed at myself, though, because I thought, I'm, I, this is really daft now. This is silly. I don't, I don't want this. And it lasted, this time it lasted through up to the point of giving birth. And then even when Uma was here, I had probably about four weeks where everyone in the house would be asleep, including my newborn baby, and I would be pacing the halls. No. But then it just disappeared again. So it's something I really, I'm really passionate about talking about. Um, and whenever I do mention it on any of my social feeds, I get lots of messages saying, oh, my God, I feel like I'm the only one in the world that's walking, you know, pacing the house at three in the morning. I don't know what to do. And and people do worry naturally that it can harm that baby that's inside you. And it, and it really, from what I understand, it really can't. It's just obviously it's not helpful because you need to be rested. You need to feel calm. You need to just be looking after yourself. Mm. It's very hard to do when you're that tired. Oh, I bet. So, yes, it was awful. It was really awful. But, you know, you come through these things. You always find a way. And, uh, yeah, I just I went straight back to the hypnotherapist, saw him a couple of times, checked whether actually it was a slight pivot in why my head was going that direction, and then just kept listening religiously to those those recordings and slowly talking myself out of it, really. Oh, yeah, not way. fun. I was I mean, not fun to be around. <laughs> how do you even manage that with another child as well like we would really like another child but in my mind it's a little bit of a mess when I think hang on a minute how are you meant to manage pregnancy and another child and everything that comes with pregnancy because it's not a walk in the park no it's not and obviously people people's people's experience of pregnancy is so vast and varied and and apart from the, the that mental health side of my pregnancy I've been very fortunate with both girls that haven't I felt a bit queasy but I've not suffered particularly badly with morning sickness I haven't really suffered from sort of aches and pains or anything medical that needed it meant I needed a hospital stay and I think that's when it's probably incredibly difficult that first three months if you are really poorly and you're trying to sort of keep keep up a pretense or just keep playing and keep life spinning I think that must be really hard I, I did find though that time flew and you almost, I almost didn't have time, even when I was feeling sick. I didn't have time to feel sick. Yeah. Because you just, you know, I was on, you know, nursery pickup. I was still, I was at work. Then nursery pickup, straight into dinner. Then my dinner. Then sort the house. Then bed. I'm business in the middle of those bits as well. So you kind of, you just, you, I don't know. I found that in a way the pregnancy was easier in some respects because I wasn't overthinking. I didn't have the app saying today or it's a watermelon. You know, I didn't, I wasn't looking at all the details. I knew roughly how many weeks pregnant I was. I went to my appointments and I made sure I ate and drank healthily. But apart from that, I certainly wasn't as fixated on what was happening inside me because I, I didn't have time to be. Yeah. So I, in, in some ways, I think we have to simplify it when it's pregnancy number two or three or four, assuming you're well enough to do so. Yes. My goodness. Wow. Wow. Don't let it put you off. You'll find a way, always. (laughs) So with one of your or both, did you, um, you mentioned elective C-section. So did you elect to have a C-section? I elected for UMA. So ETA was an emergency, which is what, um, why I came to the conclusion with UMA. ETA was, you know, I had all these visions. We've done hypnobirthing, which I do still believe to this day is is an incredibly powerful tool. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But I think for me, the way I was taught it, and I think in hindsight, I probably had the wrong teacher and 
I don't, my husband was never fully behind it. So he was, he was never up for listening to the scripts in bed. He was never up for sort of doing any of the practice outside of it. I was even a bit of a, he was one of those sniggerers, a yes. sniggery husband. Was the same. Yeah, exactly. No interest. So, so he, you know, he, he was supportive, but didn't really want to get involved with that. Um, so that maybe made it harder. I don't know. I mean, when push comes to shove, you know, women give birth the way their body needs them to give birth and and unfortunately mine was just not not going to play ball for a for a natural birth so I'm totally at peace with that actually and we did use the hypnobirthing techniques and I think there was a real naivety in me that I thought because I'd done hypnobirthing and because my pregnancy had been uncomplicated medically that I would be able to leap into a birthing pool and breathe a baby out with a, a bit of mild pressure and and I was completely <laughs> under just uh, just yeah it just wasn't correct so the you know the birthing pool turned into you know an epidural turned into a slightly distressed etta and a choice to to get around and thankfully it was an emergency rather than a crash section so it was actually quite calm we had music everyone was incredibly wonderful in the theater and it was a very a fairly positive birth in the end um, but it certainly wasn't what I expected to happen when I went into labour. So that was a, a little bit of a shock. But like I said, the most important thing I kept telling myself was everyone was OK. Um, and then with Uma, I really wanted to go. I really wanted to go for a VBAC. So I really wanted to try a natural labour. But I think because, like, I'd, like I've said, my head had gone quite quickly at around the midway point into this anxiety and insomnia, I didn't believe that I could do it. Right. And I do think half a lot of the battle, particularly with the hypnobirthing techniques, you've got to believe you can do it. Mm-hmm. If you think you're not going to do it, you know you're, you're really not giving yourself a fighting chance. Um, and having spoken to the new hospital we were moving to, they were very supportive, which I didn't think they would be, because again, there was no real medical urgency for Etta's C-section. It was just a, a slow progression and, and the safer option at the end of the day. I thought they were going to push really hard, but actually, you know, having considered all of the options, all of the risks versus what could have been, you know, a repeat of Etta's birth, I just decided to elect. And it, it felt very strange choosing to have a major surgery. Mm-hmm. It really did, when, I, when you don't know what the alternative is. Mm-hmm. But I guess in my mind, the alternative was ending up having a major surgery, but having put my body through the trauma prior. So, yeah, I think it, it was met with it was met with differing um, views from family and friends. Um, and interestingly, out of my, my closest friends and my school friends, there's eight of us who've been friends since we were 11. No one else, even statistically, there's in theory, someone else should have had a section, but no one else has. Um, so I'm the only one that has. So it's quite, they were like, well, why wouldn't you try? You know, it's magical, it's wonderful and all these things. But it just, I, I felt quite strongly that I wanted, maybe it comes down to control again. I don't know. I wanted to know how this birth was going to go yeah. uh, to control that. So um yeah, so we had a quite a gentle C-section with Uma. We knew the day. They pushed it back a day, so that was mildly infuriating when you think, you're ready, you're ready, and then they yes. go, actually, it's going to be tomorrow. And you're like, oh, OK, breathe out, breathe out. But um, it was I a wonderful... I imagine that's really hard, actually. It, it was. But th- when they explained that there was just a mother in more need, you go, OK. Yeah. Yes, of course, of course, of course. Get that baby out safely, and a day is nothing to me, providing I don't go into labour overnight. Yes. <laughs> so uh, it was quite quite close to the wire. So, um yeah, it was a really wonderful experience, very calm, very fast, and we were out within 24 hours. Brilliant. Had an enhanced recovery, so we were home within a day, yeah. which is a little scary, but but certainly the right decision. And I, I thankfully don't have any demons around either of my births, which I think is a really positive thing. So a, a lot of women do, very understandably, but I think that's that's you know we don't we don't need to or want to be carrying around birth trauma because it's yeah. just another weight in our mind that we just need to release if we can really absolutely I find going back to when you're saying about um your birth choice was met with uh, a lot of different feelings from family and friends I find no matter what birth you choose everyone has an opinion and it's not always pro your choice I mentioned well I I remember when I said to my mum that I uh initially wanted a water birth at home that was a non-starter with my mum. She was like, why would you choose to do that? That's so unsafe. Of course it's not. And statistically it's not. No, absolutely. And, but it's a generation thing, I think. It just was... It's been unheard of, I'm sure. Exactly. And we actually had a beautiful... I was incredibly lucky with my birth. We had a beautiful water birth uh, in the midwife-led unit in Exeter. Yeah. 
And it was just wonderful. But even when I said that to my mum, she was like, why? Why would you have a water birth? I don't understand. And then I'd have friends saying, don't have a water birth. No, that's really dangerous. I'm like, it's not. <laughs> do do some research. It's really not. And you can't win, can you, when you share things like that? It's like sharing your baby's name. There's always going to be someone that doesn't like it. And just your approach to parenting. People have an opinion on everything. Yeah. Like even now, I think I've had a couple of like, Slight you know, niggles with my mother today. We're there. We're there now. She's looking after Uma, and yeah, just she's said some comments. And I thought, no, that's a really outdated view, and yeah. you're and and you feel slightly affronted that they're questioning your choices. <laughs> I'm this child's mother. You know, if it needs water or if it should be sleeping in this way or another, that that's my choice. Yeah. So thanks for your opinion, but uh, yeah, it is it is tough. Everyone, yeah, everyone has an opinion on everything, yeah. but cer- certainly that the way to give birth. I mean, you only have to look at obviously poor Megan at the moment, not oh poor Megan. Gosh, she has a baby, but you know, the news is inundated with what did she wear? Why did she do this, that, and the other? Why was Harry holding the baby? Like, I know. Poor woman, she's a superhero. She's she had a baby. Absolutely she, is. To have oh. that pressure, to have to get out of her bed or wherever you know she was for the last yes. couple of days, and have to face the world essentially. I know. Can you imagine? Yeah. If we God. think we were judged, my gosh, how much more amplified is that poor lady? So, yeah, gosh. I, know, I, I had to get up with Amandine. She had jaundice, so we had to go every single day since birth. We actually left the hospital within seven hours of me giving birth. I hate That's hospitals. Amazing. And I just was like, yeah, we're going. We're going. <laughs> I was really faint after my birth because I was silly and I hadn't eaten or drank anything. Yeah. And I just said to Hendrik, I was like, I want to be out of here in two hours. Go downstairs, buy me all the chocolate you can find. And I'm just going <laughs> to shove it in my mouth until I feel like we're ready to go. I love that approach. And that's what happened. And we did and we got home. But she had jaundice. So every day we then had to get up and get out of the house. And I had to put myself together. And, you know, I really didn't. I think I was wearing dungarees and a T-shirt and just giant maternity pads. And, you know, freaking out that I was going to leak everywhere. And for Megan to look incredible, wear a white dress, beautifully showing off her post-birth tummy just incredible and then I I go on Instagram I'm reading all of this rubbish about the name of their child and you know all of this and I'm thinking oh my god I really hope they're not reading this no and hopefully they're not I I I doubt they're I doubt they but I I really hope that they don't sort of stick to the conventions that many royals do I hope they I mean I, I actually think the way they did the announcement the way they said we're hibernating for two days. Okay, yeah. two days isn't long, but that's a lot longer than than other um, couples in the limelight yeah. have, have sort of taken. So I really do hope that they sort of knuckle, knuckle down and, and, and take advantage of that bubble as much as they can. And hopefully the story will lose interest imminently. Yes, it will. Uh, yeah, Did you try and send her any of your muslins? Well, I, she actually has some. Has she? Yeah, she has the cow shed collaboration. So, yes, it's Brilliant. definitely reached her. Not by me. I, do, I would know. I'd have no idea how to get into uh, where she lives. But, yes, she definitely has seen seen one of my muslins. Oh, uh, fantastic. Not she'll ever use it or look at it twice. Who knows? But And, obviously, it's not particularly good marketing uh, <laughs> ploy because they don't, they don't show things like that. But it's just really nice to know that she's a big, basically, she's a big cow shed fan. So I, I think they gave her a big goodie bag of all the things that she likes. Oh, lovely. It's one of the gift sets in. Oh, that's so, so nice. Rather rather amazing, to be honest. Absolutely. But yeah. Such a great collaboration. Has it gone really well with Cowshed? It has, yeah. And actually, as much as, obviously, <laughs> excuse me, as much as actually the sales of the physical product, it's just opened up the door. I'm having some really interesting chats with other brands that I never would have thought in a million years would either know what I was doing and know the brand, my brand, all want to work with me so that's been the thing that's really surprised me it's almost sort of put me on it's made me a little bit more um it's put me on the map a little bit more yeah. um and maybe so people take it a bit more seriously and that's absolutely incredible I couldn't have wished for anything more so yeah I'm over the moon about that fantastic so, sometimes we just need these doors open for us don't we to walk absolutely. through and right place right time you know supportive people and that's exactly. all we need sometimes isn't it Exactly. Yeah, a little bit of luck goes a long way, I think. It does. We've worked with some incredible brands on the podcast, and I remember sending out the emails thinking, they are never going to want to work with me. I am nobody. I'm not doing anything. You know, they're probably not even interested in a silly podcast. And I get a response back, absolutely, we'll send it. I'm like, what? Hang on. (laughs) 
we just all need to have a bit more faith in ourselves I think we absolutely do we absolutely do isn't it there's often there's there's such a gulf between how we see ourselves and then how other people see us or our businesses and I think that's I think it's really really yeah yeah lesson in self-belief there go for it people probably probably think you're amazing probably think my brand's amazing brilliant thanks <laughs> yeah we should we should say it is you know what it is thank you <laughs> thanks so much. Yeah, tell the world <laughs> well i think on that note that is a very good way to end the podcast oh so, thanks for having me <laughs> oh my pleasure thank you so much for being up for it and coming and joining me on the podcast and there you have it. It wasn't obviously quite the end of our conversation. It sounds like a bit of a weird end, doesn't it? But we went on just to have a chat about when the podcast would be released and things like that. But thank you so much to Jen from Etalovs for coming on the podcast once again. I really loved our chat and it's been lovely catching up with you all. I will check in with you guys next week from France. So if you have any questions, pop them across to me. Once again, easiest way is normally Instagram DM. I just take a photo of your question and then save it so that's probably the easiest way or pop me an email at mumtalkpodcast at gmail.com and I will come back to you and also get your question answered that also saying on the um, Instagram page for mum talk podcast I do share people's questions mum's questions so if I don't have the answer I'll check with you see if it's okay for me to put your question out there to the followers on that Instagram page so we are there for everybody it's not it's not really just to run alongside this podcast it's a way um, that we can interact and help share our experiences and see if someone else has had similar I had a recent question on there about reflux and allergies and things like that and everyone answered the question and it was just so lovely and I had I don't know maybe 12 15 responses from parents saying I've had exactly the same thing this is what you could do maybe it's this maybe it's that maybe talk to your doctor that kind of thing so it's a really great place and a great space for you to be in if you would like to be in that kind of place so I will leave you there have a great week I'll catch up with you next week bye